Subcutanean. This is a novel that changes for every new reader. No two copies are ever quite the same. This podcast is an unabridged recording of the version generated by Seed 01893. Chapter 15 Already I was at a 45-degree angle and steepening as the bed groaned and juddered across the floor, leaving deep gouges in the hardwood. Someone's not getting their deposit back, a surprisingly deep-seated part of my brain observed. I sprang up the steepening slope of mattress toward the receding safety of the top of the bedroom tube, but the bed crashed into some other piece of furniture and we jerked sideways, and I cried out and dived for the headboard as the angle approached vertical. I was going to fall off over the side, and there was nothing beneath me. I cast around for something heavier to jump to, but nothing looked large enough to support my weight. I imagined tumbling into space, gripping an end table, maybe a dozen pounds lighter as it tried to fall back up to its cylindrical floor, which would be no consolation at all as I plunged into nothingness. There was no time. I scrambled onto the pedestal of the headboard, itself beginning to slope as the bed slid around to the lower half of the curve. No time. I leapt for a bulky chest of drawers six feet away, arms grasping for handles, edges. I smashed into it roughly and hugged its sides but I was too heavy. I pulled away from the cylinder, dragging the piece of furniture with me off the curving wall of its ground, and we both started to fall. I screamed in frustration and let it go, grabbing instead for the loose rope coiling by my head. The chest of drawers fell up, sickeningly, and hit the cylinder above with a splintering crash. An instant later, I wrenched to a jerking stop, the rope burning through my fingers. I clenched with a death grip tight enough to stop my fall. I took a breath, but it didn't help. I dangled twenty feet below the bed I was tied to, now dragged around to the bottom of the cylinder, gripping a rope at a point halfway up its length. Another twenty feet of slack curled beneath me. Below that was Elder Nico, swinging from the other end of the same rope, which in between us still looped around the lashed-together furniture above. He had come to a much rougher stop than me and was gasping, momentum swinging him in sickening arcs over the void beneath us. I looked up at younger Nico and immediately regretted it. A freestanding doorframe stuck out of the cylinder, about two-thirds of the way around the curve to the bottom. He must have grabbed the doorknob as he fell and twisted it, swinging the door open. Now he dangled from the knob of the open door, sideways and slanting down, and as I watched a bracket holding it to the door jamb groaned and twisted loose, only two bent screws still holding it in. His hand was slipping on the knob. He looked down at me, frantic, looked over at the bed and armoire anchor his double and I were dangling from, gauging the distance. And just as I opened my mouth to scream no, he leapt for it. Because the only reason Elder and I weren't pulling our anchor down was that it outweighed us. The pull of the cylinder's strange gravity overruled our downward tug, which was lighter. But there was no way all three of us were lighter than that anchor. No way in hell. He smashed into the armoire, shoving it sideways, and flailed for it. The bed jolted with it, its legs scraping across the cylinder above us with his momentum. But it didn't stop. I watched in horror as the bed slid off the curve above us into empty space, then began to arc down toward us, away from the floor above it. We were starting to fall. If it had been me, we'd all have died. I need time to consider a situation, to think things through. I don't have split-second reflexes. Nico does. He shot a glance behind him and kicked off the anchor, smashing into an overloaded and upside-down black bookshelf that I'm pretty sure was an Ikea billy. He grabbed for a shelf, but it pulled free, designed to resist only force pulling it down. Books flew everywhere, but Nico's grip flashed to the solid side of the shelf and he jerked roughly to a halt, tugging it across the hardwood above him, grumbling and shedding books like some beast made of library sloughing its skin. But it stopped. It held. With all the books, it was heavier than him. His weight now off it, the bed arced back up, pulling us with it. 
but it hit the floor above our heads with disturbingly gentle force. We even bounced a foot or two back down before coming up to rest. My skin crawled as I realized what this meant. Even without the weight of an extra Nico, we came horrifyingly close to outweighing our anchor. The bed groaned, creaking, and one corner lifted again off the cylinder surface. I looked down. Elder Nico was climbing his rope, hand over hand, murder in his eyes. I leapt up mine for a second sure I'd be faster. I had a head start. I was twenty years younger. But my life hadn't been given over to surviving down here, to stalking, to killing. And I'd forgotten I wasn't at the end of my rope, slack coiled beneath me. It gave me a head start, but also a leash tied to my waist. Elder reached the loop and hung his full weight on it. I slipped four feet before my grip on the rope was firm enough to stop me, friction-burned hands screaming. Below me, he laughed and sprang up the rope like climbing a ladder. My arm muscles were already aching. Before I could pull myself up more than a foot or two, his hand closed around my ankle. I strained to pull away, kicking, and again felt the bed shift unsteadily above. I looked up. Younger Nico's gaze met mine. He clung to the slanting bookcase, skiwampus, casting around wildly for a way to help, but there was nothing in reach. He couldn't help me. I looked down and saw the same face, shriveled in a blink by decades of rage into something monstrous. We don't have to do this, I panted, still trying to shake my leg free from his cold grasp. We can all go through, get to the surface, then go our separate ways like you said. You fucking idiot. With the hand not gripping me, he fumbled at his belt. You thought after all this time down here I'd forgive you? That we could be friends again like old times? No, you're going to die. And then I'll hunt that bitch down, his eyes flashed up to his younger clone, and kill him again. First things first, though. And he reached up with the knife he'd unclipped from his belt, flipped it open, and sawed into my calf. I screamed, trying to pull away, but his other hand gripped my leg tight, and I looked up through the pain and starred vision at my Nico's shocked, helpless, too distant face. And below me his double laughed and kept sawing with terrible strength. In one fierce thrust he sawed through my jeans and into my skin, and drew the serrated blade back, cutting deeper into flesh, into muscle. It's your fault, he grunted, and the strength drained from my hands as hot pain sliced through me. I went looking for you. You know that? How I got lost. My blood dribbled onto his face and he spat it away. We had a fight. Don't remember what about. He pulled the blade back and I screamed, trying to twist away, but he only gripped me more firmly. But I remember hating you. I remember that. I remember hating you and deciding to go back anyway. If I hadn't, if I turned around, I would have felt the sun again. His breath was ragged. He shifted his grip on the knife. But I went back. For you. He sawed the blade deeper and I screamed and realized then that I couldn't escape this, couldn't escape him. That if I didn't die from falling or bleeding out or being left for dead, the best I could hope for would be a life down here in the dark, like him, left to wander forever, trapped, helpless, lost. Fighting it was impossible. It was already done and settled. Had been from the moment I set foot downstairs, from the moment we saw the house. Maybe even from the moment I'd first met him, first walked up to him and said hello because he was so fucking sexy and I thought I'd take a chance. He won't forgive you either. He grimaced up at his younger self through teeth stained red by my blood. He just hasn't realized it yet. He's not you, I gasped. He'll never be you. And because I couldn't make myself believe it, I stomped down on his face as hard as I could. He let out a woof of air and something crunched as a splatter of blood arced out into darkness. His eyes rolled up into his head and he went limp, and then he fell. In thirty feet he reached the end of the rope around his waist and it jerked him to a horrible stop, flailing his limbs like a scarecrow. He dangled there, spread-eagled, face up, over the void, unmoving. 
Somewhere above me, Nika was whooping in victory, but I barely heard him through the blood thumping in my ears, the high-pitched scream of pain in my leg. Refocusing my eyes, I dragged them down. The knife was still embedded in my calf. As if from a great distance, I reached with one hand, gripping the rope tight with the other, and pulled it free in a queasy, sucking motion. Blood dribbled down my pant leg, dripping off my foot. Numbness and pain rippled through me, and muscles spasmed in my arm. But there was something I had to do before any other concerns. Woozy, I pressed the knife to the second rope and started to saw. No, wait! Nico shouted down at me. The key! Do you have the key? I looked up, blade held against the rope. What? To get back to your side! His voice was strangely distant, swallowed up by the empty space. Maybe I was losing more blood than I realized. Our side, I mean. The right side. The doorway's close. It has to be. But you need to get the key. Front pocket. Right side. Below me, Elder Nico still swayed at the end of his rope, eyes closed, motionless. I didn't think I could have killed him, but I must have knocked him out. Or he wants you to think you did, anyway. I still held the knife against the rope. Loose white innards strained free from the cut I'd started, escaping the tension of the dead weight below. But the cut was still shallow, tentative, uncommitted. I nudged the knife closed, shoved it into my belt. Hurry! Nico hissed above me. Thanks, I muttered. Helpful. I started down. I climbed fast, muscles trembling. The silence unsettled now that no one was talking or scrambling or trying to kill anyone. It felt like the surrounding darkness was a blanket, muffling, infinitely thick. Things felt dangerously unreal. A video game. A dream. I shook my head, fighting mental fog. Tried to feel the pain in my leg. Let it be an anchor to keep me from floating away. I got to the end of my rope and realized I had a problem. When I'd looped it around the bed, I hadn't bothered to even out the two sides. And now, at the end of mine, I was still a few body lengths above Nico. I couldn't reach him. His side had happened to be the longer one. And the only way down to him now would be climbing the last few feet on the other end of the rope. His end. Which meant detaching myself from mine. With one hand, I scrabbled pitifully at the knot, but untying it was hopeless for half a dozen reasons, my weight on it not the least. There was only one way to get off my rope onto his. Below me, Elder Nico let out a gormless groan, head lolling to one side, but his eyes stayed closed. A strange clarity had descended on me, the disconnected panic that comes from piling bad decisions on bad decisions, realizing you've gone too far but no longer able to stop. Shifting my grip to Nico's rope, I flipped open the knife again, and before indecision could paralyze me, I cut through my own rope, just above the knot at my waist. It was done. His rope creaked as it took my weight. I tried not to hear it. Tucking the knife into my belt, I lowered myself the last few feet to Elder Nico's body. He was still splayed out, spread-eagled, face up, eyes closed. Blood and spittle drooled from the corner of his mouth. His fingers twitched in gentle spasms, the last motions of a dying insect. We were surrounded by darkness. The faint streetlights miles below, the pools of desk lights and floor lamps above, Bookended, but did not penetrate the dark we swam together in. Gripping the rope with one numbing fist, I reached out with my other hand, fingers brushing the edge of his pocket. He groaned again, flopped his head sideways. I pushed my fingers inside, feeling for the key. There. I pulled it free, slowly, gripping tight as the tines tugged the lining of his pocket, caught on its edge. I focused all my attention on not dropping it, not letting it tumble down into oblivion on pulling my hand slowly, deliberately out of his pocket. 
which is why I didn't notice his eyes had opened, not until his hand closed around my wrist. The fuck, he muttered, lids heavy, speech slurred. You doing down there? His grip on me was weak, but I felt the gathering awareness in him like a coiling viper. His face was smeared with blood, and more had rushed to his head as he dangled, making his face look misshapen, swollen. One of his pupils had dilated all the way open, and a blood vessel in the eye had burst, a spidery red blotch reaching tendrils through the white. He looked monstrous. I came back for you, he muttered, eyelids fluttering closed. That's how I got lost. Wanted to save you from that asshole. He blinked, coughed. That fucking old man, whoever he was. I let him rant, delusional. But I saw him then, with a sudden chill clarity. I understood he was only monstrous because of what I'd done to him. And I'd only done it because of what he'd done to me. We were our own vortex, circling, wanting to converge but never meeting in the middle. Dragging each other down, deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm sorry, I said, gently pulling free of his grip, sliding the key carefully into my pocket. He scrabbled at my waist with his other hand, pathetic, as if trying to get a grip on my belt to pull himself up. Sorry for dragging you down here. You deserved better. Someone better than me to... to guide you. And you can hurt me, hunt me, kill me as many times as you want, but it'll never change that. Never take it back. I took a deep breath. But I can't let you do it anymore. You don't deserve to die, but... My eyes flicked up, then back to his. Neither does he... He smiled, blood spilling from the corner of his mouth, and as it dribbled away, something changed. Like the light had shifted, popped a shadow into a shape, like noticing the gorilla in the crowd. The confusion in his eyes had been a lie. They were perfectly clear. Too bad, he said. No one gets what they deserve. He had the knife in his hand. My belt. He'd slipped it off my belt while I was babbling. I swung sideways as he lunged at my face and it nicked my ear. There was no grogginess in him, no disorientation. I'd just seen what I'd wanted to see one last time. I'd never really seen him at all. My muscles tensed to fling myself back up the rope, but without the knife I'd never make it, never be free of him. Certainty flushed through me. This had to end. This had to be the last time. He lunged again and I grabbed his wrist, wrenching it backwards, trying to pull the knife free. He snarled and reached for me with his other hand, but I twisted away. We swayed and twirled at the end of the rope, the rope I was no longer tied to, clinging instead with one desperate trembling hand. I felt fibers snapping as the cut I'd started above us frayed grew larger. One way or another, this was about to end. He stabbed at my face again and I swung to the side, just enough for his hand to brush past me, so I bit down on it as hard as I could. He swore as I ground down harder, feeling flesh give, tasting blood. Sensing his grip loosen, I snatched the knife. His expression of shock burned into my vision even as I turned away, already climbing. Maybe I'd never done that before, and all the times he'd attacked me. Maybe I'd never fought back. I climbed, knife clenched between my teeth. For a fleeting moment, and maybe for the first time in my life, I felt like a badass. But I'd bought myself only seconds, and not enough. I'd pushed well past the limit of my endurance. I barely had the strength to pull myself up. I'd put a few body lengths between us, but... He could swallow that lead in seconds. I was a wounded rabbit limping from a wolf. Below me something screamed and I realized it was him. A terrible scream. Rage and pain and loneliness and betrayal etched onto air. He started up the rope after me. Get back here, he growled. Get the fuck back down here. I'm not finished with you. 
Blood-stained rage twisted his face. He was gaining. He was going to end me. And then a dictionary clobbered him in the face. I looked up, shocked, at a triumphant Nico shaking a fist down at us. Leave him the fuck alone, dickweed! He'd clambered up on the tilted side of the bookshelf, another heavy hardback already in his hand. He hefted it, gauged the distance, and flung. It curved as the cylinder's gravity tugged it around, hyperbolic, and went wide, whipping underneath us and then back up toward the floor. Any harder and he'd have launched it into a miniature orbit. But he'd already grabbed another book. Below me, his elder was shaking off the blow. I climbed. Nico kept throwing books, and some collided with my pursuer, enough to throw him off balance to buy me more seconds. I needed every one. I was fading fast, and so was the rope. Muscles tore and fibers snapped. My vision shrunk to a wavering tunnel, only my hands and the rope visible in the deepening blackness. I climbed. I climbed with some reserve of strength I'd never guessed I had. I reached the notch in the rope and climbed a few feet past it, spit the knife into my hand, and started sawing. Faster, someone was muttering. Maybe me. Faster! The Nico below flung himself up the rope. He'd almost reached me. A crushing inevitability pressed into me from tingling arms to kicking feet. Someone had already won. Someone would live. The clock would run out and we'd find out who. Faster. Fibers twisted, stretched, broke free. A copy of Dahlgren arced smoothly by my head. Guttural noises just beneath me. It was too late. He was here. And then the rope split. He was at my feet. He flung himself at them when he heard the tear of the rope giving way, but had nothing to push off, no momentum to save him. He scrambled frantic as the rope went weightless in his hands, a finger brushing my shoe, and for an instant it was as if the cylinder above was toying with him, uncertain whether to hold him with its gravity, whether he had become enough a part of this place that its attraction should compel him too. Then he fell. Within a second he'd plunged past the range of our lights, swallowed by blackness. Only then, after losing sight of him, did he scream and there was no fear in it at all, just rage. But it was a tiny sound, lost in vanishing darkness, fading fast and not repeated. He was gone. I hope you're enjoying this audio version of Subcutanean, but this is just one way the story could go. Find out how to get your own unique version by searching for Subcutanean on Twitter, Facebook, Goodreads, or Indiegogo. And thanks for listening.